0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at (laughs) heritageradionetwork.org. Oh, Bank.
2: And I am Ryan Acock, the Cocktail MD.
1: And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed, award-winning podcast that helps Green Gags bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today
2: we're talking about <laughs> classic bottles.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Ryan, I sent you this email. You you reached out and said, hey, you're ready to record a bunch of more episodes. Um, and so I sent back to you a note uh that basically was about like the transportation of spirits from Mexico into the USA or anywhere else for that matter using plastic bottles um you know i I've, I've been reading more and more about how plastic is is obviously it's everywhere you know we everybody saw the picture of the um uh oh, wait what was it was it wasn't a fish was
2: it a dolphin that had the straw in its nose Oh, I don't. I'm not aware of the straw on the nose, but I, yeah, there are Turtle. plenty of other pictures out there of plastics yeah, yeah. in the ocean. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then I read
1: something about it that plastic is now in our bloodstream. Yes. Yeah, and so I I, I had this thought one night uh, uh, that, that that shook me from sleep uh, that maybe bringing back the spirits in plastic water bottles, agave spirits in plastic water bottles from Mexico. Maybe uh, I'm also then putting plastics in my bloodstream.
2: Yeah, so if you go to any liquor store and look at the bottom shelf, all those bottom shelf vodkas are already in plastic bottles. So it's not like you're doing anything new by putting mezcal in a plastic bottle and transporting it from Mexico to the United States.
1: Well, you're saying I'm not doing anything new, which I get... But I also get there are plenty of things that people do that harm them. Yes. Right? That's the whole point
2: to the, to, to the TV show
1: Jackass, I believe.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think they do it intentionally, though. I don't think that they're no, worried a, about, no. like, what... Should we be doing this right now? Should I be stapling yeah. my skin right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a very fair point.
1: But you know, but any
2: I shouldn't say anybody. I'm
1: guessing most people who are buying the cheapest vodka that they can aren't really taking health considerations into the equation, right? That's very true. Yeah, so you know, so that gets back. Okay, so so let's just say for a minute that um, uh, that I am correct that in fact this is putting plastics into my body, and and that just means that somebody's doing that for packaged goods, and in the same way that the cigarette companies got sued and they're still in business, maybe if this is true, then the, the these vodka companies who were putting their vodka in the plastic bottles
2: would, right. Maybe. So, yeah, yeah, I don't think there's anything special about or unique about alcohol being in a plastic bottle. If you were to to look at anything that's got plastic in it, whether it be water, beer, uh, children's drinks, whatever, if that's got some kind of lining with polycarbonate, you're gonna find BPA in that water bottle, that beer bottle, that whatever. That BPA is gonna leach out of that plastic bottle. But isn't okay? Okay, fair,
1: but. I thought alcohol was the, was like a solvent, in essence,
2: that caused that kind of leaching um, to, to accelerate. So I couldn't find anything particularly on alcohol. One of the things that I did find, or two of the things I found, is one is heat. So if a water bottle is left in a hot environment like the inside of your car, the idea is yeah. that you can get quicker and more leaching of that BPA. And the other thing that I found is ultraviolet light. And so we'll discuss a couple of those research projects that I found that talk particularly about direct sunlight, so ultraviolet light, or heat will cause more BPA to leach out of your bottle. But at the end of the day, regardless of what you put in there, you're still going to get some BPA leaching out of polycarbonate bottles. Okay. So then what exactly is BPA? Yeah. So there's a product called bisphenol A. So all that is is two carbon rings. So it looks like two hexagons of carbon. So that's where the phenol comes from. And the bis is because it's two rings. And then mm-hmm. A is just the bridge that connects those two. So it's a carbon compound. So it's just two carbon rings that are connected to each other. That's bisphenol A. And mm-hmm. then there's bisphenol S, which is two carbon rings connected with a sulfur compound. So that's where the S comes from. And there, and there are a couple other bisphenols out there. So bisphenol A is the big thing that's used in making polycarbonate and if you have polycarbonate bottles or plastic toys or whatever that bpa will break down and will start to leach out and so if you're drinking from a polycarbonate bottle you are now consuming bpa whether you're drinking water or alcohol or coca-cola regardless of what's in that bottle you're going to get bpa huh okay so is is that bad well, so the FDA has put out a statement saying that BPA is safe at the current levels occurring in food. So that is straight from the Food and Drug Administration.
1: When you say at current levels, does yes. that, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean the percentage that I'm consuming when I drink a bottle of water, the number of bottles
2: of water that I drink? What does that mean? Yeah, so it means for it means for a typical person who is consuming typical amounts of water, beer, whatever that comes from a plastic bottle, that is considered safe according to the Food and Drug Administration. Huh. Okay. Is, is there any reason to not trust the FDA? Well, so there is a lot of lobbying that comes from plastic bottle makers, and so that's always a concern of, well, the government says that it's safe, but is it really because the government also has to take money from lobbyists?
1: Mm. Well, uh, not the government, but rather our, our elected officials.
2: Right. And elected officials will definitely put pressure on bureaucrats
1: interesting okay so they're saying it's not dangerous maybe it
2: is maybe it isn't so let's talk about where all this came from this concern that it's dangerous so okay, if yeah. you were to go and test the urine of every man woman and child here in the united states almost all of them are going to have bpa in their urine so we're, we're clearly getting it into our system somehow and if you were to go and test Water bottles, beer bottles, anything that's got some kind of plastic coating lining, like a beer can, for example, that will have BPA leached into the water, the beer, the whatever you're consuming. So you're drinking it and it's going through your system and it's winding up in your urine somehow. So now the question is, well, does that BPA actually do anything once it's in your body? And so yeah. I found so I found <laughs> right. So I found several articles. The problem with a lot of these articles is that they have to do with Essentially petri dishes. So you put some kind of cells in a petri dish and then you add BPA to it and then we watch what happens to those cells. And based off of alarming things that happen to cells in petri dishes, it gets translated to should I be alarmed of what happens to a human body? So let's talk about a few of them. So if you take women with PCOS, that's polycystic ovarian syndrome, so they these women have already problems with their estrogen levels and their testosterone levels, and they form multiple cysts on their ovaries. And you test the women who have the highest testosterone levels, you'll also find that they have the highest BPA levels in their urine. Mm. And so now that's a correlation. That's not a causation. But if you have higher BPA levels in your urine, and you now have got women who've got higher testosterone levels, the concern is what's called an endocrine disruptor. So is there something about that BPA that affects testosterone levels in women? Maybe, but again, that's just a correlation study. So I found another article that looked specifically at women who are undergoing in vitro fertilization. Mm -hmm. And so these are women who already might have a hormonal issue. And so their eggs were specifically looked at by these researchers who then looked at the amount of BPA that was in these women's systems. And so for the women who had higher BPA levels in their urine, they also had more disrupted eggs in Petri dishes. And so the worry is, well, so was that BPA causing some kind of infertility? Again, I don't know. We just see that women who have their eggs are tested, have higher BPA levels, and are more infertile. But this is a fertility clinic, so every woman who goes there is going to have some kind of fertility issue. (laughs) Well, uh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough.
1: But, you know, you you keep saying BPA, and my head goes back to the idea, and and maybe I'm just not understanding um, this, but my head goes back to this concept of microplastics traveling around in our blood. So, like, I get that they have to be made of something, right? Right. But, you know, it, it makes me wonder if it doesn't matter what they're made of, perhaps, just having some foreign bodies in our blood, couldn't that also be the reason
2: So maybe so you also have to worry is it is it the direct effect of the plastic or what it's made from or what it's broken down into? Yeah, so let's look at polyethylene. So that's a real simple compound. It's just repeating carbon That's all polyethylene is Mm -hmm. and you come into contact with polyethylene all the time It's used not only in water bottles, but it's also used in things like plastic wrap for your food It's also used in things like hip replacements so if you have hip surgery The Mm -hmm. cup that sits inside your pelvis that takes the hip, that is going to be made of polyethylene. And so there is this concern of, one, am I drinking it? But also, now that I've had it surgically implanted into my body, is there some issue with that polyethylene? And so far, we haven't really been able to find anything that specifically states that polyethylene is dangerous by itself. But I found one article that some clever Chinese researchers took polyethylene bottles, and subjected it to ultraviolet radiation, and then used a gas chromatography so, setup to see what kind of chemicals were coming off that bottle. And mm-hmm. so they came up with a list of like 30 different chemicals of everything from hexadecane and others that were coming off that plastic bottle, and said, Well, here are the potential effects that can come from all this. The problem is, I went through that list. I went through every one of those compounds, and yeah. the only thing I could find is hexadecane, which is a skin irritant only and I cannot find anything else from those compounds that were coming off those polyethylene bottles that are supposed to be dangerous in themselves. So well, you got you got a comeback I see it. But well it's I'm it's not p-
1: a it's not a comeback. It honestly is a question. So my head is now going back to the episode that we did about snake venom oddly yes. enough. Okay. Okay. So like my recollection and to be fair maybe I'm not remembering correctly but my recollection is that the conclusion that we came to was if a snake bites you and the venom gets in your bloodstream, that's bad. If you consume the snake and consume
2: the venom, it's not bad. Is that, am I correct? Right. So that's what we came up with when we talked about the, the one person. Now that person was also injecting himself with snake venom, but we talked about how birds eat snakes and other animals right. eat snakes and they don't, they don't die after eating the snake. And so probably drinking the snake venom probably is not as dangerous as injecting snake venom. Right so but but so my point my point is um in
1: the way that it relates to this issue of microplastics in my head um is okay there's a difference between in your body and in your bloodstream and i get that in this particular case the issue with snake venom is that the venom is going to the organs that cannot that that literally are attacked by whatever the venom is right but in the case of in the case of these microplastics um I can't help but wonder if the issue isn't that there's something that's taking up space in our in our bloodstream that should be blood and isn't. In other words, it's not that the BPA is dangerous or or, or these other these other chemical compounds uh, are dangerous. Just literally, our blood flow is being interrupted by something. If it were stone, like would it be okay to have little particles of, of stone in our bloodstream?
2: Yeah, so if you're talking about, uh, say, like, calcium, for example, I mean, yeah. you, de- you definitely have that in your blood. You have calcium floating around your blood, but yeah. where it collects as a stone is going to be more like your kidneys, for example. Yeah, So been there, done that. Right, and, and so there are uh, conditions out there where people have really high levels of calcium and are associated with higher levels of more frequent kidney stones. And yeah. so an example would be your... Parathyroid, for example, that controls your calcium level in your body. So there are people who have parathyroid issues who have really high calcium levels in their blood and get lots of kidney stones. And so maybe that's an example of having some kind of mineral floating around in your bloodstream that is too much of that's going to cause some kind of downstream effect.
1: But but, but here again, like you're, you're, you're still talking about the effect of the thing as opposed to the effect of having something displacing blood. And that's like that's my, I guess where my head is going now is what happens when you displace blood?
2: Well, all right. So even if you were to consume 30 water bottles a day, you're still not going to have enough microplastic that you're physically displacing the blood you're the most common thing in your bloodstream is going to be water and red blood cells regardless of what you're consuming you're not going to oh. have much else coming out
1: oh so so like what when they, when when you say we take every man woman and child we check their urine which by the mm-hmm. way really gross um but we check the urine and you said like 98 will have plastic in their stream right right bpa yes like what's the percentage yeah bpa okay uh, yeah okay so what like w- when your blood alcohol level is 0.0 that's pretty dangerous, right? And that's... 0.08, yeah, that's the legal limit of being drunk in most states. Yeah, yeah, so that's dangerous, I guess, to the point that you don't want to be driving. Um, Not so dangerous that I haven't been there myself, but 0.08 would mean like literally your eight-tenths or eight-one-hundredths of a percent of your blood is alcohol?
2: Yeah, so we go by grams per deciliter, but yeah, so we'd say you have 80 grams of Per deciliter of blood is now serum alcohol, and and I don't think anyone has ever been so drunk that they've displaced uh, blood with alcohol. I mean, I've seen blood alcohol levels of 500, and it's still so that'd be a 0. 0.5, and that's still not enough that their their blood is alcohol. They still have water and red blood cells and and plasma and everything else that's floating around. They just have a little extra ethanol in there.
1: Right, but so my point is just simply you're you're saying that it would be the same kind of percentage for for microplastics in in the blood
2: uh you would have to drink a lot of consume a lot of plastic to have that kind of measurement but all right so what we do know that especially bpa that's the big worry that I, i keep wanting to go back to it and you're worried about microplastics yes but bpa is something that we can physically measure both in blood and urine yeah and so that's why that gets studied more than say like pictures of of straws in a dolphin's nose or pictures of plastic (laughs) in a a fish's belly or something like that. Yeah. Although it's really dramatic to see those kind of pictures, that's not really something we can measure, but we can measure BPA. And so that's why BPA gets looked at so much. Gotcha.
1: So, so then is it safe to say that your conclusion is just keep putting it in plastic and bringing it back? So my problem is- Unless you're checking your bags in
2: Mexico City where they check them now? (laughs) Right. So my my problem is with all of these studies is you're talking about small sample sizes, which is something we've talked about many times on the show of you can't test less than 100 people, and then draw conclusions to the entire human race. So you've got small sample sizes. Some of these are very specific cases, like polycystic ovarian syndrome, which already has problems with estrogen and testosterone levels. Or one study I looked at, looked at uh, diabetics and followed their kidney function over years and saw that as BPA levels rose in their, their blood and urine, that they had worsening kidney function. Okay, well, diabetes causes kidney failure, And Mm -hmm. on top of that, BPA is filtered by your kidneys. So it makes sense to me that if you're going to have kidney failure, you're going to have higher BPA levels in your bloodstream. That doesn't mean that the BPA is causing kidney failure. It might mean that the kidney failure is causing high BPA levels in the bloodstream. So, yes, so a lot of this is correlation, and you can't prove causation on any of this. And there's never been a randomized controlled trial that's fed people plastic and then watched what happened to them versus people who were not fed plastic. huh, but, okay, I don't know, like, I, I gotta tell
1: you, I'm not gonna be changing my behavior, right, like, I, <laughs> sure. I asked the question literally because I'm concerned, and the truth is, you know, as you're saying, well, you can't prove it, right, right? like, that kind of stuff tends to make me nervous, okay, I can't prove it, but uh, since we don't know, generally, I'll play it safe, but here, the convenience
2: of it is just too great for me to not do it. Okay, so if you're really wanting to play it safe, so we talked about polyethylene possibly being safer than polycarbonate. So if you really want to avoid the polycarbonate, here's what you can do. Oh. You want to look on the side or the underside of the bottle, and it's going to have those three triangles in the recycle symbol, and it's going to have yeah. a number in there. So polycarbonate is seven. So if you really want to avoid polycarbonate, don't drink anything that says PC or seven on the bottle of it. What you're looking for is a 2 or a 4, so that's polyethylene, or a 5. That's polypropylene, so 2, 4, or 5. Those are the numbers you want to make sure you're not getting BPA in your system. Two, four, five, not 7, not PC.
1: Correct. Oh, that's fascinating. God, I wish I were at home now so that instead of on the road in Wisconsin, <laughs> so I could go look at the uh, the CL bottles to know what I've got. You know what? I'll put it in the uh, the episode notes.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay, so that's our conclusion? So our conclusion is maybe. As, as it comes to our conclusion, of Valley, every time we do one of these shows is maybe it's a problem, but we yeah. probably won't know for even decades. Well, actually, I won't know. I'll be
1: gone before anybody oh, okay. knows, right? Maybe so. Yeah, probably. Because and why? Because I keep drinking my agave spirits out of plastic bottles.
2: Your other option is you can just go with glass <laughs> bottles. There's there's no plastic in glass. So if you want to just stick with glass bottles. Well, this is know. this is what I was
1: saying. Like I get it. It's just so convenient. It's like mm-hmm. the glass is so much heavier. But right. you know, but and also lately the the airport in Mexico City, the, all the airlines are
2: like flagging all the plastic water bottles. So now I kind of have to use glass anyway. Yeah, and, and one thing that I think people might Mistakenly believe is that metal is safer. So the problem oh. is most metal containers that contain food or some kind of liquid are lined with plastic, like polycarbonate. So, like a campbell's soup can, for example, <laughs> is lined with plastic because otherwise that soup would ruin the metal and would leach out metal, and you're going to get a metal taste. And if you've ever had, drank out of a pure metal container, you've gotten that metal taste before, and you've said this is gross. And that is why it helps to have plastic lining to your bottles
1: so even these um
2: these metal like uh, uh, uh water bottles that you refill that's gonna some have... of those will so if you taste metal you're, it probably is pure metal that you're drinking in there not a plastic lining but if you're yeah. looking at something like an aluminum can for yeah. coca-cola or beer or if you're looking at a tomato soup can all of that has plastic lining on the inside of it God, okay, so, uh, uh, sorry, I thought we were ready to wrap. Now I've got another
1: question. Yeah. Where where I've been reading uh, that you can minimize the leaching by not refilling the bottles, right? Like, this is one of the things I keep reading in articles. You look like you don't know those articles.
2: Yeah, I'm not familiar with that article. I mean... (sighs) Gosh, once you put something in there, it's going to start leaching.
1: Yeah, there was something about in a Guardian article that I read um, that if if you like one way you can minimize the risk is just don't refill the bottle, which, of course, is exactly what I do every time. But then, you know, I'm thinking about these metal w- water bottles and that's yeah. the whole purpose. So if they're lined with BPA, aye, aye, aye. I don't and, know. And,
2: right. And so or <laughs> you stick with glass. That's your other option.
1: Right. Or stick with glass. Well, let's do that, then. <laughs> okay, Ryan, we'll, we'll call that good. The conclusion is stick with glass. <laughs> what if it has one of those plastic corks? Never mind. We're not going down that road. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, Ryan. Thanks, and uh, and I'll catch you next episode. Thank you, later. Hasta pronto. <gasps> whoa, 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 whoa. We're not ready to go yet. I just saw future Ryan float in through the window. Hey, future Ryan, you got some additional information to add? Sure. So, Lou, every time you send me a
2: question, one of the first places I go is YouTube to try to figure out what you're talking about when you ask me a question about, is plastic dangerous? And so if you get on YouTube, you're going to see, of course, all the conspiracy theorists. One of video that I saw talked about don't eat hot or warm food from somebody that's offered to you if it's wrapped in plastic. And the idea was that the warmth from the food was going to break down the plastic and cause you to get BPA. That is not true. Plastic wrap is made out of polyethylene. It is not made of polycarbonate. You will not get BPA from a plastic wrap that is warm. So just be careful of the alarmists who are out there who are spreading conspiracy theories because, again, you're not going to get BPA from plastic wrap no matter what the temperature is. Should we just avoid YouTube altogether, future Ryan? That might help for a lot of things.
1: <laughs> but then I won't know which new Marvel
2: movies are coming out. That's very true. We YouTube giveth and it taketh away. Okay, thanks for that addition, future Ryan. Bye, Lou.
1: You've been listening to Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps X bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. We're blessed with sound engineering by Roy Sierra and a theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marco Ricos. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, well, I'm sure you'll let us know that too. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Agave Road Trip. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pit Bulls, Inc. Gave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio, supported by you for our freshest content. Subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage
2: underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization using the power of education. Educational storytelling about food to build a more equitable, resilient food system. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without
0: support from listeners like you. Become a part of the world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive programming. You hear on Heritage Radio Network might lead you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If you drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Drive responsibly. Eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio. Network- Work responsibly. Wear protective earbuds while wearing protective earbuds. Do not drive. Do not walk either. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to stretch every 30 minutes. If you stretch every 30 minutes, please stay within your defined stressing capacity. And consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you don't have a doctor, maybe Dr. Ryan Cox, the cocktail MD, can help you out. Thanks for listening.
2: Agave Road Trip. Out.